Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. Um, very early on, before even the lockdown was announced, Gauteng, particularly Gauteng, had announced that people who are not sick in in the sense that they're not critically sick should avoid going to hospitals and and if possible try and see if you cannot call in fact there was a number you can call your hospital to see if you can postpone your date if it's not urgent if it's not a matter of life and death if it means you're just collecting medicine they had a whole program that they had asked people to to comply to now, part of what has happened recently, which is very, very concerning, and this is not a, a Gauteng thing, by the way, this is a national problem. A high percentage of South Africans that are HIV positive are missing their clinic appointments to collect their medication. It's so tricky because while we all try to also exercise the social distancing, trying not to be on the, ro- on the roads and so on, which is the right thing, one cannot imagine the ripple effects, and this is one of them. And so the uh, health NGO Right to Care has really raised their concerns and they really wanted to bring them to our attention. Dr. Temba, uh, Dr. Tembi Nkulu is uh, joining us on the line, who's the executive director at Right to Care. Dr. Nkulu, thank you so much for joining us. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. So what have we observed and, and, and how, how bad is the situation? All right. Right to Care is um, an NGO that's funded by USAID. And we are currently supporting um, two districts in the country, one in the Free State and one in Kumalang. Mm. The one in the Free State is Tabo Mufutanyana. And what we saw when we looked back at our data, at the end of January, 95% of our patients were honoring their appointments to come and pick up medication. Okay. But for that same group, at the end of March, the number had dropped to 60%. Wow. And then from Bumalanga, which is the Eshanjeni district, the end of January data was 85% of patients Mm -hmm. picking up medication. And at the end of March, it was as low as 40%, which means only 40 Mm -hmm. out of every 100 patients actually showed up to pick medication at, at the end of March. Okay, so it's obviously quite complicated. There are transport issues. There are all kinds of things that are going on at the moment. Primarily, did we did we get a sense of why this number had dropped? Okay, as I said, we've just looked uh, at the end of March now in yeah. the past week or two, mm. um, and we can only, you know, um, share what we think mm. is contributing. Mm-hmm. There are a few facts that I think we cannot discount. Mm. One being that, you know, people are afraid. Yeah. People are afraid of going to health facilities. The risk of coronavirus is there. So maybe that's a concern. And maybe people don't know and don't understand that when government says clinics are essential services, mm-hmm. it means you are still allowed to come and collect your medication. Mm. Right? But the biggest one, you know, which you mentioned earlier, is for me, I think, the transport schedule. The schedule was that it was 5 to 9 a.m. in the morning and then 4 to 8 p.m. in the evening. Now, you'll remember that the patients that we service are rural patients Mm. who don't have their own cars. Mm. So if you leave in the morning to go to the clinic at 5, you're not going to be back home by 9. In if fact, the next schedule back is 4 p.m., it makes it quite difficult. In fact, I think um, some of the data that was collected by another NGO had raised this as part of a big, big problem in the sense that even if by all intentions you have, you know, you wake up early, you go and you intend to be back by nine. If 
if the queue is long, you are not able to finish on time, you're stuck. You're stuck until four o'clock. That is exactly what happened. So we believe that the schedule did um, did contribute. Mm. Hence, you know, our speaking about this and highlighting, for instance, alternatives that are available to our patients mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the co- chronic courier program, which okay. is run by the Department of Health, the CCMDD, and some solutions that Right E-Pharmacy has come up with in terms of smart lockers and pharmacy ATMs. Dr. Kolo, let's just unpack the, the uh, chronic, um, you've just called it the chronic, um, did you say courier the service? Centralized, yeah, centralized chronic uh, medication, dispensing and distribution. Please unpack so that this, for us. So this is a, it's a, it's a, it's a national program mm. run by the National Department of Health, and this allows all state patients all state patients on chronic medication, it's not only for HIV patients, mm-hmm. uh, to be able to register so that they are able to pick up medication mm-hmm. at a collection point which is convenient and close to them. Okay. And these collection points include the like of a discam, mm-hmm. you know, it can be a pick and pay, it can be a spaza shop in your area, uh, it can even be some private doctors and or community halls in your particular area. So you choose whatever is convenient for you. This and when you get there, mm. you get two months supply of mm. medication and you go there to collect your medication every two months and you are only required to go back to the health facility every six months in order for your script to be renewed. This is excellent news. Do we have enough people who know about this? Uh, through the channels of the National Department of Health. I mean, this program has been running for a few years. Yes. And it's happening not only in provinces, but, you know, the medication is being distributed through district channels. So there is uh, sufficient information for patients to ask and demand the service from their healthcare provider. On on top... Yes, yes, sorry, go ahead. Now, I was just going to say, on top of that, for Gauteng, Bumalanga, you know, and uh, Free State in particular, where where we have got services, Mm. we are then able to also augment that because Mm. through the e-lockers and through the ATMs, we are also registered as pickup points for the Department of Health. Okay. How do people then get to register? Do they go to the hospital that they've been visiting as, as a chronic patient, to their, uh, the clinic that they've been visiting as a chronic uh, patient? Yes, they register at the clinic. So the clinics, all of them are very aware of this uh, program. As I say, it's been happening for years. And you essentially say, I'd like to join the CCMDD program. You don't even have to call it with this complex name. Just to say, I'd like to pick up my medication at my nearest click. What is the process? And then normally there would be an agent who can assist you to register somebody within the hospital system. And uh, you would then get an SMS on your phone once your medication is ready for collection. You know, Dr. Kolo, I I really honestly genuinely ask because when you look at the queues at the public hospitals of just collection of medication, they're massive. Hence, I was asking, do you think enough people know about this? Uh, We could certainly do better in terms of highlighting this and uh, communication and communicating about it more. I mean, from our side as Mm. well, uh, you know, as right. I will certainly make sure that people get the details and try and and, and push that as much as possible. If you don't mind, Dr. Klule, please, there are are calls that are coming through. Would you mind taking them some calls? No problem. All right. 0891-104-207. Nathan Kay is calling us from Bombela. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Madam Pamero. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for calling. I'm okay. Okay, uh, I've seen um, in the hospital, so I was in the hospital one time, but the way the people, they manage them, 
if there is one who is affected by this coronavirus, it can affect others. When you go in their sitting rooms, eh, people are next to each other. There are so many. And some people who, are chronic disease, who have chronic diseases whereby it's a very big problem. Because if they get that virus, it's easier for them to die, like diabetic people, whatever, things like that. So it's better to advise the hospitals to look for some ways how they can separate those people. Thanks very much, and, Nathan. Uh, yes. And another thing which yes. I wanted to end with, Madam Pamela, mm-hmm. please, if you go back, sorry to say this, if you go back today, mm. tell your husband that he married a material wife. I'm telling you sincerely, the way you are talking, you talk flank, you call a spade a spade. Yesterday we were fighting, whatever, but I trust you. Madam Pamela, do what you can manage. I trust you now. <laughs> Dr. Kulu, I will I'm ask sorry. you one I time. Ap- I apologize, Dr. Kulu, because this was not, <laughs> that was not the brief. You was going to speak about issues on the hospital. So let me not deviate too much from what it is that he's saying. I, 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 I wonder, um, Dr. Kulu, how much we understand about the, the true fear of people who have understood, um, especially because we've been drumming this message that if you've got underlying conditions, you're so susceptible to coronavirus that it could be one of those reasons why people are not keen to go to health facilities because they themselves are afraid as people living with chronic diseases. Okay, firstly, I do have to recognize the previous caller, Pamela. I, I yes, 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 go ahead. When, go. It's, when a woman of substance is being recognized. <laughs> but let me behave myself. <laughs> Please, no, 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 of course, go say, ahead. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and say, um, I think options like this were, were brought in for that particular reason. So the ability to collect your medication elsewhere mm. really needs to be highlighted mm. so people have got the option not to come back yeah. um, uh, to, into a facility. Secondly, um, I would also say that... Um, we have learned some very hard lessons at the beginning of this uh, pandemic, particularly in South Africa, mm-hmm. where you, I mean, some hospitals were closed down, some facilities, cases were found. So what has been happening in this period whilst we were flattening the curve is we were building the resilience of the health system to be able to deal with the increased load. Mm. And part of that includes, you know, um, putting infection prevention and infection control measures in place. Now, what that means, and I mean, I don't speak for all health facilities. Yes. My daughter was sick recently and I, I had to take her in mm. for a query appendicitis. Mm. So when you get into the facility, you are screened. And when they screen you, that is where they start putting infection control processes in place in order to separate the people that uh, don't show signs of corona versus the ones that do. So the pathways within the hospital actually allow for you to be geographically separated you know so it's really been strengthened it's really been picked up but if you are an elderly person for instance mm-hmm. my advice is you know on the right to care uh, the atm pharmacy or the collect and go lockers we yes. allow the registration of proxies mm-hmm. so if you, if you, i if can do it for my mother for instance disease, you are allowed to register a proxy uh, who can go and pick up your medication. So don't you. send Gogo. Okay. Let somebody younger register for Gogo and go and pick up the medication uh, for that. years. No. I must say, um, you're absolutely right about what we, we, we saw in the beginning in terms of people being screened in hospitals. Uh, I've been to a hospital recently, a public hospital very recently, in fact, a week ago, and there was no such thing. Whereas initially... They had started the program, and I don't know how it fell off. So, you know, I don't know how do we monitor even ourselves to keep 
um, pushing for the things to continue because they start off well and then suddenly the program is no longer there. And, and I'm speaking about a hospital here in Johannesburg where mm-hmm. it was just free for all. All of us were walking in and out and nobody had screened us. Nobody was was there to do it. And I know that when the MEC had visited initially, there was that process in place. So I don't know what, what happened and how, how do we guard against those kind of things falling off, off the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I can certainly say I'm, I'm aware that at the beginning, um, you know, uh, there were some challenges, yeah. you know, others may have been done and then undone. Yeah. But right now, there actually has been an insistence. I mean, there's a country plan that has triggered down to provinces, down mm. to districts, down to each facilities. Mm-hmm. And we are at a moment where, you know, facilities are expected to adhere. Yeah. But I think as individuals as well, at Pimelo, there, there are clear guidance that we can take, for instance, if you travel by by taxi, mm. you know, wear your mask, mm. right? Mm. Uh, observe your social distance in the queue, sanitize your hands before you, you get into a taxi. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, be seated in, 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 in a way where you are conscious. So where you can take responsibility, please do. But I assure you, if you get into a health facility and you raise the issue, it is certainly something that mm. all of us are now paying attention to. Dr. Tolo, if you don't mind, can I take a quick break? There is also another caller, but I no do problem. have one more one more question to ask you, which I think it's important to address. If you don't mind, if you can just hold for us, and then we'll also take some more callers on 08 at 0891-10427. At SFM Radio and at Pimelo Mutile on Twitter. All right, lines are open, 0891 I'm in conversation with the Right to Care, which is an NGO, a health NGO. And my conversation was with Dr. Tembi Kulu, Executive Director at Right to Care, about some of the concerns that they've, 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 they've picked up on, um, some of which are chronic medication not being collected. And then the numbers are quite staggering. I mean, in the one region from 90% to 60%, a drop of, 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 of that's a lot. And then on the one region from 85% to 40% collection rate, particularly with uh, people who are living with HIV. Uh, and, and it's just quite worrying. So what we are doing here, we're just trying to encourage you to try and use all other systems, if you are one of those people, to see if you can make sure that you get your medication. This is not the time for you to fall off the wagon. It's very, very important. We all know that COVID-19, I mean, there's so many people who are susceptible, particularly those with chronic um, diseases. So we will give you some of the details that she's shared with us. Um, and the, the idea is for you to try and reach out to your hospitals, to your clinics and whoever to see if they cannot deliver the medication to you. Apparently the system works. It has been around for a long time. I must admit I didn't know about it, but I think it's important for us to highlight it and other things as well. So let me just welcome uh, Dr. Kulu back on the line again. I'm, I'm worried, Dr. Kulu, about the you know once we start going back to what would seem to be normal and I don't think there was, there's a, such a thing as normal anymore <laughs> but, but um, there were some concerns um, by Danosa and other nurses around when we speak about that social distancing around it seems like they 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 get penalized when they get into a taxi because then the taxi driver says well you know we've been told to to take well 70 percent of you guys you then must pay double the price because and the services for you i know it's not legislated i know that but to what extent can we also assist 
even in collaboration, so that there, there are no transgressions and that are people that are not taking advantage of a very difficult situation? Or I, I can only speak from the health perspective, yes. you know, and say um, I understand, you know, our patients, um, our parents, our friends, you know, use public transport. Um, and whilst the regulations are out there not being clear, mm. my advice would be for you to use your own personal protective equipment mm. and to wear your mask and to protect yourself. Mm. You know, it's, it's very difficult for me to say health might be able to influence some transport decision, but I, I can certainly advise you on how to observe your space whilst you are, you know, interacting with other people. You know, with taxis, I agree, it could be quite tricky. It's, it's also, I'm going to now maybe just put you on the spot a little bit. We're all waiting to hear about what the plan is going to be for basic education. It's so tricky. I mean, you could hear even this morning when uh, different um, uh, members of parliament were, were trying to bring up issues. From where you're sitting, your, your thoughts from a health perspective around how we're going to manage children going back to school, just, just I mean, I don't know if you've given it um, too much time, but just your, your initial reaction. I think there, there are certain, you know, uh, pressure points that education needs to uh, consider. Mm. And for me, these are not uh, particularly new and Corona didn't bring them, but Corona exposed them. Mm. You know, concerns are one the ability to social distance at school. You know, the date that we put forward for opening has to take into account yeah. what does that mean in terms of overcrowding in classes? How do you, um, you know, address how um, learners, how, where do they sit? What, how are they wearing masks, etc. And then the whole issue of transport to school, mm. right? The buses, um, getting them... The um, vans, you know, the vans. Exactly. <laughs> the vans, oh. those vans, you know. And what happens, Timelo? When a learner does test positive, mm. you know, what, what steps do you take? Mm. Is the school ready in terms of conducting the screenings? And when you find somebody that screens positive and has a high temperature um, and you live in a, and you, and you are in a school where the clinic is far, mm -hmm. what kind of arrangements do you have with that clinic to make sure that there is, mm. there is uh, support? And then access to basic things like, uh, you know, water and basic sanitation. If we need to be washing hands regularly, um, you know, those are issues that I think education definitely needs to address. And this is uh, a doctor's view. Well, I mean, you've, you've spoken about things that are very important for me. I'm just thinking, can, can you imagine explaining to grade ones how not to play? <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine how you're going to explain to them not to share masks? Because people, you know, children share things. These are friends. And no, I want to show you my mask. I want to. Uh, can you imagine? Can you imagine when they're playing and saying to them, don't touch each other? It is going to be quite something. We actually have to be quite creative. Funny enough, I, I looked at a few countries in yes. terms of how they were they were reopening schools. Yes. And, you know, countries have been quite uh, creative. There's one country, I can't remember, yes. one of the Koreas. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, for the little ones, the yes. great ones, yes. they made them wear head balloons <laughs> that would blow up and become a meter length. Oh. So you get an understanding <laughs> of what one meter is at the, when you're on the playground. <laughs> But we have to be very targeted in our approach and make it fun and make them interact. Yes. My worst fear yes. is this meme that's going around. Is when, If my 12-year-old comes back home, you know, wearing her friend's mask, yes. just because it's fashion, mommy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I would cope. I mean, it's, it's, 
you know, we laugh, but as you said, you know, I suppose it is time to get creative. It is time to try and make it fun for those children because I just, I just cannot imagine. I cannot imagine how you're going to tell grade ones, no, no, don't come too close. You know, <laughs> what, what are you going to use? But I, I quite like the idea of a bubble. That is one meter. <laughs> <laughs> that one no, meter bubble and, and maybe it may come in all sorts of colors and then the problem is that then they want to share the bubbles and they yes. want <laughs> it's, it's lovely talking to you thank you so much and thank you so much for highlighting some of the issues we will make it quite public and make it our business to try and send that message across about how people can get access to medication without necessarily uh, going to their facilities thank you very much Dr. Tembikulu thank it's you it's a pleasure Penelo bye bye alright she is the executive director at Right to Care Right to Care is an NGO health NGO so what I think we're going to do is we're going to try and, and get as many of these officials as possible to try and assist us in how do you register. Perhaps there is a way you can register online. Perhaps there's another way to register maybe on the phone. So let's try and get that information out for you. If you are going to the hospital because you have to have an appointment, it's also an opportunity for you to ask how, what are the possibilities that they can deliver the medication to you. Thanks very much for that, uh, Dr. Klolu. It is now 1.30. Let's go to Utsi Lesago for the latest in headlines.